Welcome to the Sword and Trial podcast. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries. The Founders exist for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. Glad to have you joining us today, and we look forward to introducing you to our special guest. But before we do, we have a couple of things we want to just make you aware of to keep in front of you and some new things that maybe you've not heard about. Uh, don't forget that our conference is coming up in January of 2023 when we will be dealing with the issue of What is Man? Biblical Anthropology, a vitally important subject in our day. And we're going to have Joel Beakey and Vody Balkum and Paul Washer here to help us. There'll be others as well that we will announce in the very near future. And our registrations are going fast. We're grateful for that. So it looks like we are going to sell out. So I encourage you, if you've been thinking about coming down to Southwest Florida in January, which is a great place to be anyway, for the conference to get on the founders.org website and find out how you can register before all of those places are taken up. What else do we have going on, Graham? Yeah, so we have t-shirts for sale in the Founders Store at press.founders.org. Here's an example of one. It says we have a book. We also have uh, one that says Fear God and several others. These are silk-lined, the most comfortable t-shirts you'll ever wear. Take 15 <laughs> pounds off. None of those things are true, um, but they are great shirts, and so I encourage you to get on the website and check them out. Yeah, and also on August the 13th, we have our second convocation for the Institute of Public Theology. We're just completing our first year wrapping up actually uh, this month in June and right the first part of July. And then we will begin year two in August, uh, just a, a few weeks away, where we have Richard Barcellus coming in and Ben Dunson, who will be teaching on public theology. And Ben will also then be giving our second convocation address. That's August the 13th. We invite you to come. We'd love to have you down here in Southwest Florida for that. We think uh, these courses are dynamite. If you want to audit the courses, there's ways for you to do that as well. Go to instituteofpublictheology.org. You can get more information on that. We also have Dr. Tom Nettles in the house this week. That's teaching right. Courses. Yeah, he's um, here. So just some great courses being offered. Right yeah, now. Um, despite American Airlines' best efforts to keep <laughs> him from joining us, uh, he made it. And uh, he's teaching church history part one, you know, the pillar mm-hmm. and buttress of truth up to the Reformation with a view of how the church has engaged the public square. So uh, I'm looking forward to sitting in on mm-hmm. those courses as much as I can as well. Well, today we're delighted to have Dale Partridge with us all the way from Sedona, Arizona. So, Dale, thanks for joining us on The Sword and the Trowel. Hey, gentlemen. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Dale, tell us a little bit about your ministry and yourself and just kind of introduce yourself to those who will listen in to The Sword and Trowel. Yeah, so I've been married uh, just about 13 years, got three kids, uh, live here in Sedona, Arizona, which is the new age capital of the world. We moved here to preach the gospel, making sure that uh, the, the millions of tourists that come here don't just come here and leave with, you know, uh, a psychic reading and mm-hmm. some sort of crystals, but they leave with the Bible and the gospel. And so I uh, came here to do some missionary work, plant some churches, um, preach the gospel, uh, went to seminary, uh, did a short stint at Western Seminary in Oregon, then moved down to the Master Seminary for a couple of years, uh, and then actually shifted over to uh, Grace Bible Theological Seminary with uh, Strand and Jeff Johnson. Um, enjoyed the, the, the past five years of school, uh, church planter, uh, pastor, uh, here locally, uh, in, in Sedona, Arizona, uh, write books, uh, do all the things that I think a lot of guys in our, our world do. We have a ministry at relearn.org. That's basically a place where, uh, it's kind of the, uh, the mother ministry of much of what we do 
and um, we have a small school called Reformation Seminary that plants uh, house churches. We do uh, biblical reformed house churches, um, can, you know, under the 1689 Confession all around the world. We have guys in uh, 11 different countries, uh, as well as all over the United States. And so, uh, yeah, I got my hands in a bunch of different things. But the big thing is, you know, I, I grew up um, in Southern California. I was an entrepreneur prior to ministry. So the Lord called me out of the business world in about 2017. And when I say I was in the entrepreneur space, I was all the way in. Um, I had written three business books under HarperCollins. Uh, I had a company with 50 employees and 10 million in revenue per year. I was way, way, way in, uh, in that space and um, was doing keynote speech, speeches for Facebook and for Twitter and for Adobe. And, and that was the whole space. The Lord called me out of that, uh, sold our companies, um, and it, it was a, a major shift in direction and, and ministry and focus uh, for my wife and I. And that entrepreneurial uh, heart uh, was kind of a Mr. Miyagi that God was doing with me in terms of, you know, really training me on uh, how to run an organization as well as uh, just have a passion for starting. And so I've kind of brought that into our ministry where we've been able to start several different projects that have uh, been able to do, you know, focus on great commission or focus on Bible printing or focus on, on church planting. And so th that's our heart. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur, so that's why we have so many things going on, but we have a small staff and faithful donors that have allowed us to continue to do it. Mm. Wonderful. So tell me why the name relearn, you know, it was originally uh, relearn church. And it was the idea of relearning what the Bible says about church, because we, I came out of a giant mega church community in Southern California, uh, where I, I just started reading my Bible in my left hand and then looking at my experience in my right hand and they weren't the same. Uh, and I was struggling to figure out how did we get here? Uh, and, and then, you know, I, I started realizing there was a bit of a negative connotation there of relearning church because of those that are actually doing church biblically, they're thinking, what are you doing? Um, and, and so, um, by God's grace, we were able to buy relearn.org and it really, our, our, our tagline is back to the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're constantly trying to relearn, uh, you know, what Christianity looks like according to scripture. And, and that's, uh, the main mission. It's our focus is really biblical and theological illiteracy in the church. We, we, we want to fix that problem. And so, um, we do that with, you know, podcasts and books and resources, very similar to founders, uh, just, you know, much earlier on. Yeah. Well, very good. So you and the ReLearn team have recently, I mean, just like within a matter of days, launched uh, a new project, right? It's a project called Mail the Gospel. So tell us about that. What What is Mail the Gospel? What are you guys doing? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is this is a project that I think will actually, this isn't a fly-by-night project. This is not like a, a little course or a book that's going to keep, you know, it's going to go off the shelves and go away in a handful of years. This is a project that we've been working on and praying for for over a year uh, and, and really started funding about 12 months ago and is finally launched. And so we basically saw a problem in the, the Western church, potentially even the global church. But uh, the statistics for the Western church is that less than 10% of Christians share the gospel with one person per year. This is an alarming statistic, and, and you know, in some ways it doesn't shock me, in other ways it does. And I would say even the best churches, even like the, the most faithful churches with faithful pastors, still have a major issue going on with preaching the gospel. 
And so I, I was I was looking at that and I was trying to figure out why are 90% of Christians not being activated for Great Commission ministry whatsoever. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be an evangelist. Not, we don't need you know everybody to be a Ray Comfort in the world. But what I am saying is that are Christians, uh, why are Christians not sharing the gospel with their friends and their family member, or people they bump into and colleagues and coworkers and such and neighbors? And so we started examining the three reasons that really uh, were behind that. Lots of people talk about Jesus. Lots of people share their testimony. Lots of people share scripture verses. Uh, all those things are great, but they're not the gospel. And so our heart was we need to get a uh, Christians to be able to share, you know, what I call bad news, good news gospel a full gospel presentation. As you guys know, uh, the good news is only good because the bad news is so bad. And and the problem is, is that we're uninterested or we're disinterested as a church to share that bad news, to share that good news. And so our focus here has been trying to, how do we overcome this problem? Because again, my entrepreneurial background, uh, there's, when you solve a problem, the best problems to solve are urgent, required, and painful problems. Uh, we don't want to solve problems that aren't urgent, aren't painful, and aren't required. And so we look at this, and I look at the Great Commission, I go, to the church, this is a problem that is urgent, it's required, and for many Christians, it's painful. Uh, they, they want to be able to share the gospel, they don't share the gospel. So obviously, there's a need for training, there's a need for many uh, additional efforts that we'll talk about shortly. But the three reasons, gentlemen, that we're seeing Christians not share the gospel, number one is the fear of man. Uh, and I always tell people, even the best of us will deal with this. Um, I have opportunities. I preach the gospel probably on a, on a weekly basis. And there are still moments that I struggle with the fear of man, uh, that I get a chance to go and share the gospel with a, uh, an individual living a transgender lifestyle. And, and, and I'm still, you know, heart beating fast as I'm getting up and, and walking to that conversation. I've still uh, sinned and, and not actually followed the, te- the, the prompting of, of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. I've done those things. And so it is a difficult thing, the fear of man. It's it's one of those things that uh, we're afraid of the the, um, the frustrating responses, the persecuted responses, the offensiveness that would come as a result of sharing the gospel. When we tell people that, that they're, uh, they're sinners condemned to hell if they don't repent and be forgiven, uh, from, or be forgiven by God through Christ, that's an offensive message. We know that. We know that uh, that the, the world loves darkness and they hate the light. And so that's number one. Uh, the second reason is people are afraid of their ability or inability to eloquently and accurately present the gospel. Uh, they, they don't actually know the gospel. Uh, they, they know the basics, they, but they, they can't actually present it in a way that they feel confident. My experience is that uh, gospel proclamation is really a byproduct of good theology. And so when you know good theology, when you've been catechized, when you understand sound doctrine, you're, you, you don't want it to become a script, all right? Scripts don't work because every situation is different. If you've preached the gospel to a handful of people, you'll know that. And so what you need to be able to do is actually know what the gospel is so that you can confront it and be prepared for it in any direction that it, that conversation may go. And so obviously there's a conversation of, of getting Christians into churches with sound expository preaching week after week so they can layer up doctrine and understand the gospel so that they can communicate it faithfully, accurately, eloquently. The third reason is, uh, is they're afraid of the apologetic questions that come after a presentation, uh, which makes sense, right? They're afraid of the moral relativism or the evolution or, uh, you know, why, why would a, a loving God have so much suffering in the world? All, all these questions often come up 
and they feel untrained or unequipped um, to answer those questions. So you, you start layering these up and you get a pretty thick wall, a barrier for the average Christian or the average Christian mom when she has a prompting or an opportunity at the coffee shop, wherever it may be, to share the gospel. These things start layering up. And you go, wow, um, I, I understand why 90% of the church in the West is not sharing the gospel. Now, this is a problem, right? This is a major problem that we need to fix. And so we wanted to get together and figure out a way that we could solve this problem uh, in a handful of ways. And so um, I, I should probably stop. So if you guys had any kind of banter back and forth in that before I keep going, because I'm the guy that'll just keep running. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things we talk around about around here you know, has to do with your second reason. We, we talk about being gospel fluent. We want our people to be fluent enough in the gospel that they can speak it in different situations and they understand the entryways that are afforded to them in various conversations. And there, there are sincere Christians who are saved by the gospel, but they haven't really thought deeply about the nature of that gospel that saves them and how it works. And so I... That's a that's an ongoing project in the church because we are people of Christ and we preach Christ and so those that's fascinating that uh, you've identified those three areas and you're trying to address that. So uh, how do you address that? Just like in your own ministry uh, as a pastor, what do you what do you say to folks? How do you try to get your people taught and encouraged to overcome the fear of man and to learn some of those? Uh, uh, responses to the questions that come up as well as to understand the gospel well enough to communicate it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the number one issue with dealing with the fear of, of man is to deal with the fear of God. Mm -hmm. And so we have uh, focused locally on really teaching on the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Uh, I, I think once those doctrines really click, it really does help uh, give you a confidence and a trust and a realization that, that it's God who's doing the saving and we are just the messengers uh, resting on the, the you know, uh, so many people in the church today believe that persuasion is part of the gospel experience. And I, I have to remind people that, hey, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We need to just be faithful to preach the gospel and let the Lord change the heart. Um, and, and yes, we will get frustration. Uh, anybody who desires to live a, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We will have those moments, uh, but not all of them are going to be that that difficult. I've actually had several moments of people just thanking me for the discussion and telling me they grew up in the church or whatever that, that may be. The second thing um, I, I often tell, uh, especially the, the women in our church, as well as the men uh, to just constantly be catechizing their children, because the next generation of kids need to understand uh, sound doctrine so that they can have that gospel fluency. And actually we, we refer people to the truth and grace books all the time. I mean, We've probably handed out just even personally a hundred or more of those little booklets to people uh, in our church, in our ministry, in our community, because that that is absolutely essential. As for the apologetic questions, you know, I'm a presuppositional apologetics uh, guy. Uh, however, I, I do think it's helpful to have some sort of awareness um, of those kind of classical apologetic questions uh, so that you can redirect them back to scriptural issues. And so we do a handful of those things. The thing that we did with the ministry, though, um, is we, we really wanted to figure out a way, how do we solve this problem? How do we get past this and activate that 90%? And it really came in, in, in three other issues. One, we wanted to produce gospel tracts that were theologically accurate, bold, and really structured around a format of preaching. So we found out that um, most gospel tracts 
are either doom and gloom um, or they're Jesus loves everything about you. Um, and so there, there wasn't a lot of really sound theological, uh, theologically clear tracks of the God. The other thing is we, we learned that, that most people throughout church history come to Christ through the preaching of the word of God. And, and so we wanted to actually create tracks that were in sermon format that were personalized, that, that came, if you've read some tracks that you find, uh, you know, someone handing them out downtown, they're very, uh, there's a lacking a personal touch. Uh, you don't know who the author is. It's just this message that doesn't have any connection to a personal story. Uh, we learned that again, most people come through, through preaching of the word. And so we wanted to make sure these tracks were actually miniature sermons. The other thing is that they're, they're either too long or they're too short. And so there's some that are, you know, on the back of a, you know, Ray Comfort million dollar bill. Uh, there are some that are, you know, um, too long. They take you 25 minutes to read. And so we wanted to figure out what's that sweet spot. So we, we basically wrote these tracks and I'll show you if you're looking on the video portion here. This is one of them. We got a couple different ones here uh, of these, these tracks. And these track booklets um, are really beautifully designed. That was the second part that we did is we wanted to make sure that these tracks are really, um, um, they're, they're well put together. Most tracks are designed to go to the trash can. Mm. Uh, we wanted to make sure that these tracks aren't thrown away. They're actually beautiful booklets. They're written by myself, Dr. Dustin Benj, uh, my buddy, Jesse Randolph from the master seminary. Um, and so they're, they're, they've been scrutinized by our theological advisory board um, having just a an opportunity for several men that have their doctorate in theology or or uh, MDiv uh, uh, at various seminaries to look at this and, and say, is this a, a biblical, historical, evangelical approach to evangelism? Is this a full gospel proclamation? Where can we shift this? Where can we adjust this? What have we seen throughout church history that to be effective? How do we explain? How deep do we go? How shallow do we go? And we had those questions to really make these really faithful, strong tracks. Um, and again, they're, they're less like tracks and more like booklets. Um, and they have a full ESV scripture index in the back. The third thing which changes the game, okay, this is, this is what changes the game, is we made them mailable. Okay, I don't know why we haven't thought about this in the, in the past as a church. Uh, we've been sending junk mail for a long time. So this is one of those things that I'm shocked that someone hasn't thought about this. But we've made these tracks mailable. And so that's why we created basically a whole ministry, mailthegospel.org, where people can go to the website, they can enter their information, they can enter their recipient's mailing address, they can choose one of these tracks that they'd like to send to that person. They can include a Bible. Uh, we, we partnered with Crossway. Crossway gave us an incredible deal. There's like, we can give a full Bible for like 10 bucks. Um, you can include either a, also a gospel of John. You can personalize it by creating a note, which we suggest we actually mm -hmm. default there. We want people to personalize those messages. We want them to whet that appetite and nurture that desire for evangelistic communication. However, you can also send these anonymously. Now, um, our goal as a ministry was we don't want to replace evangelism. We want to nurture it. That being said, uh, this week, we've almost sent 500 gospel tracts out already, and half of them have been sent anonymously. And so it's a fascinating, at least, study in Christian sociology at this point to figure out, okay, there is a lot of broken relationships where anonymous uh, 
sending has seemed to solve some sort of a problem for people. I think a lot of us have those people in our lives and relationships in our lives where the, the relational ten- tension and conflict is so sharp that uh, maybe sending them something like the gospel would be rejected just because of who sent it. Um, and so we are, uh, we're seeing that. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what to make of it at this point. Um, but so far, uh, we've, we're one week in, and it has been leveraged as a tool. And that's what it is. It's a tool uh, for Christians to share the gospel with the people they love. We're opening with the United States. We're, we're also selling track packs. We're eventually, Lord willing, we will uh, translate this into many different languages and sell them into di- many different countries. Um, but our hope and, and core is really just to mail the gospel to as many people as we possibly can. And yes, we do want to eventually train individuals, offer them uh, education on how to do this in a physical environment. But even still, you men, uh, I, I would assume our regular evangelists, when the Lord prompts those moments, it still becomes a useful tool for guys like us because you can't talk to everybody. We have friends and family and people that we know and relationships that are all around the world. And we just don't have the time because we're dads and fathers and husbands. And we have, uh, we have, you know, ministries and churches and people and jobs, and we can't talk to everybody. So it really does become a useful tool to go, uh, Hey, Chris, you know, I hope you're well, can I get your address? I want to mail you something. And, and, produce a a real opportunity for a conversation. Hey, Chris, it was great chatting with you at the conference this last week. We got to chat a little bit about the gospel. Hey, I wanted to send this to you. Take a read and give me a call and let's chat about it. And and, and so there's another way as a tool for even guys like us to use. And I've seen several guys, even some pastors use it already this week for that reason. So sounds like a wonderful opportunity. And I'm excited that uh, so many churches will be resourced. So many believers will be able to be resourced by these tracks or by these booklets. That is one thing that I've long lamented. You know, when you do find a good solid track that's theologically, it's on point. Oftentimes it's just very ugly, ugly. not the type of thing that you'd want to read or kind of feel embarrassed to even hand out to people. But those look beautifully designed. Uh, the fact that uh, some of you men have, have worked hard to make them theologically accurate is is encouraging. Um, what would you say to perhaps uh, pastors or ministry leaders who, you know, I think one thing that we often struggle with in Reformed churches uh, or some reformed churches do that uh, there's there's a lot of focus on doctrine and that's that's great but some people get so bogged down in some of those um, theological issues and they have no desire to kind of get out into their communities and evangelize well what kind of counsel would you give to pastors and ministry leaders in helping their people to see the importance of that evangelism yeah I think that you know, I've gone through yeah five years of seminary I understand how academia can absolutely destroy your desire for uh, your heart. It's really constantly impressing upon you to become a clinical study versus a devotional study. And so I understand, um, I've seen professors in seminary that I've wondered, are these people saved? Um, I've seen that. And and I understand that those things can happen to, to guys that labor in the word, um, and I think that application is the means to take academia to devotion, uh, is applying those realities. The one thing that I've learned, and I often try to remind those in our church, uh, is we need to remember what it was like to be lost. 
and, and when we remember what it was like to be lost, the hopelessness, the lack of joy, the lack, the the, the confusion in our thinking, uh, the the problems and trials in our marriage, the the the, the poor parenting styles that we had, um, the, just the hopelessness, the uh, the the chasing things that don't matter, uh, the the love for sin, all of those things. I think we we often have reduced the gospel into just something that can save the soul and not just something that actually is an immediate benefit for the life of of a believer in terms of the lifestyle, the the relationship um, uh, with others and how how you think about God's kingdom uh, and how that portrays a purpose in your life. And obviously, you know, the first and primary uh, uh, priority is is talking about the soul and and the issue there. And and I, I just think that we need to recall what it was like prior to Christ in our life. We've forgotten for many of us uh, what it was like, how hard it was uh, living in the dark. And so that nurturing that appetite for uh, uh, a desire for the lost, to have a passion for the lost, um, it's hard for Christians. I think Christians so often just hang out with Christians and they just want to separate themselves from the world. And I say, man, you got to get out there. And here in Sedona, for example, my wife had uh, somebody... Uh, on the homeschool community, uh, there's like a Sedona homeschool community Facebook group. And there was a new lady that entered into the Facebook community. She said, hey, we just moved here. Her name was some weird spelling that wasn't phonetically correct. It was just a, a weird situation from the get-go. And she said, I, um, I'm a witch. Uh, we just moved here with our family. And my husband is the director at the cannabis uh, facility here in town. And we're homeschoolers and we're looking for some good homeschool community. I told my wife, I said, get him over here for dinner. Um, And and I just go, I feel bad. I I, I actually hurt for their life. Uh, I I really feel for the lostness of their ways. Uh, And uh, we wanted to create an opportunity for them to come over, uh, share the gospel, uh, have a conversation with them. Um, really walk ourselves into that world that we have forgotten because it's been 20 years um, of what it's like to, to walk in the dark. And so that has been one thing that I try to often remind pastors, uh, guys in ministry, guys in academia, is that uh, this is all for one thing. It, it's to bring God's message to the world. It's to, uh, to change hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ it's to um, it's to glorify God, uh, to understand purpose, uh, to make Him known, and we just have to get back to the basics. And I think Reformed churches, because they're so doctrinally uh, focused, they do forget that introductory uh, purpose for the Great Commission. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I I'm passionate about the topic. But yeah, great question. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I contend that if if you can be satisfied to just kind of have the intellectual debates about biblical doctrine, and if you find the satisfaction that does exist in knowing truth and that's enough for you, then it's not that you've studied too much. You just haven't studied enough. You haven't gone further in what doctrine is for, what doctrine does, because anything that stops short of practice is not biblical. I mean, God doesn't give us these things for theoretical uh, interplay in intellectual debates, but rather this is truth for life. This is what causes people to turn from darkness to the light of the Son of God. So, yeah, praise God for that, man. We are uh, we are fully on board with this. Tell, tell us how would somebody take advantage of this new project? I mean, do you have a website and how do you access that? What can they expect when they go to the website? You mentioned a Bible for $10. So if somebody says, man, I want to, I want to send something to my 
long uh, lost child who's out in the spiritual wilderness, um, what would they do and what would it cost them to do it and how could they go about it? Yeah, amen. I, I just want to remind everybody, um, saved people love talking about their Savior. Mm. Um, and and when, when, you're, when you really know uh, the love of God in Christ, when, when you know the gospel, when you know what the Lord has done for you, um, saved people love talking about their Savior. And, and so if you don't love talking about your Savior, it's worth self-examination. Um, and so uh, what I found here, and, and we get to see some of these personalized notes um, it, it, these are people who love God that are sending these tracks. And so I, I think step one is really making sure that you can look at the gospel and almost weep. Whenever I get into a deep devotional study, I can still get to the place where I weep over the gospel. That is point number one for anybody that is uh, considering doing this. We have to remember how great this news is. That should be the driving factor. Um, the, the website, um, we had this designed by a friend of mine who had uh, he'd done Google and Nest and did some work for Airbnb and, and, and is probably one of, the, one of the better designers alive today. And so we put together mailthegospel.org and made it incredibly easy to use. Again, w- w- my big problem was is that we have all these people that have these, these tracks, as you said earlier. Um, uh, it's the best news on earth often served up on the crappiest paper or the crappiest website available. And, and so that, that is something that we, we just could not do. Uh, we believe that Christians uh, should be the most creative, should be the most uh, intentional about design. Uh, we are the ones that understand truth, and we are the ones that understand beauty. And so we wanted to make sure it was a beautiful website. Uh, you get there, and... Again, it's just a quick process. You could send the gospel probably in a minute and a half to someone. The key thing, people, is this. You have to get their addresses, which is actually part of an evangelistic nurturing in your own heart. If you're not even willing to go get someone's address, uh, that, that's a problem in itself. And so we are absolutely willing to get people's addresses to send your Christmas cards to. So if you can do that, I promise you, you can do this. Um, but you have to be willing to, to email that person or text that person and have that conversation to get their address. Um, the, the second thing is I would encourage everybody to personalize it if you can. Um, I, I think that it's a really unique opportunity. After reading some of these notes, they're so touching. Uh, we pray over every single one of these shipments that go out because they're just, this is the word of God going out and people will be reading this. And so, and I know actually many people, I actually know a handful of people that have actually been saved through tracks. Um, and it's just, we have to remember that, that God is going to use these things to save his people. Um, in terms of, yeah, you can add, um, this is the Bible that we currently have. It's an ESV uh, Crossway Thin Line Bible. It's a full-blown, beautiful Bible that you cannot buy for 10 bucks. And so to, to add it there and include it there, you can give them, um, uh, an actual tract, um, an actual Bible, and it comes in this packaging, which is kind of cool. Um, it says someone loves you on the outside. There's no way that someone's not opening that package. It doesn't have <laughs> anything to do with the gospel on the outside. People are going to receive that. Uh, they're going to open it up. They're going to see a personalized note. They're going to get the gospel tract. They're going to get the Bible. They're going to read these things. And, and you know what? We designed these so that they wouldn't be thrown away there will be people that throw them away. 
That being said, I think a lot of people will set them on their shelves if they're not read. Um, and I'm okay with that because it might be eight years later that a little girl or a little boy who's grown up now grabs that book off that shelf and reads it. Mm -hmm. And so my thing is that if we get the gospel out, whether they read it or someone else reads it a decade later, the gospel is out and someone will read it as long as it's not put in the trash. And again, that's the whole thought about creating these things so that they're not designed for the trash can. Mm -hmm. They want to be so nice that they're actually kept. Um, And God will save people. Uh, 10 years later with that, that track that was sitting on that shelf for 10 years. And so, um, once you order those tracks, we mail those things off. We send you tracking of, of that process that you can see. Um, we've had already many people from all over the, the world try to buy tracks and track packs. And so people are buying 50 tracks, hundred tracks or 20 tracks just to keep in their car. Um, these are the kind of tracks that you just go in downtown and hand out because they're, they're not that cheap but they are the tracks that when you're in the middle of a gospel presentation and you run out of time, which is probably half the time, if you've evangelized at any, uh, at any degree, you go, ah, Hey, I'd love to give you this track. You can write your phone number. We actually put a little section with a handful of lines, um, in the beginning of the track so that you can, um, have a discussion with someone after here's my phone number. Give me a call if you'd like and hand those out. I go every single month to a different a barber shop so that I can preach the gospel to different individuals. Cause I'm stuck in their chair. And, <laughs> and I always have one of these tracks with me and I put my phone number already in advance. And I say, Hey, uh, it was great talking to you today. Sometimes there are 15 minutes of discussion. I'm just listening and Hey, love to talk to you more about the gospel. Take this track. Why don't you read it? Give me a call if you have a question. And they become great resources uh, for that as well. And so again, long-term guys, we need help. Uh, we, we need, we need obviously families to, to actually leverage this tool. We need individuals to leverage it. We also need donors to support what we're doing. These tracks, we spent about $40,000 on getting these tracks printed. Um, Crossway came in and supported us. When you understand the complexities of an international fulfillment house in Europe and translation into different languages, you understand there's, there's a lot of expense behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a variety of things that we need help with. So if you guys feel led to donate, uh, what we're doing, we don't make hardly any money. The only money we make on this is to further uh, produce more tracks. We're a nonprofit ministry. Uh, everything's going back into providing for the very few uh, staff that that take this on for wages that are are probably below average. And so we are just focused, and our heart is just wanting to get the gospel out to millions of people. And I think if we translate translate this into Arabic and translate this into Mandarin and translate this into Spanish you know, several years from today, three, four, five years from today, it's very possible that we have actually mailed the gospel out to a quarter million, a half million people all around the world. And these things can get into countries that the scriptures can't. Now, there's some unique opportunities uh, for missionary work that way. I mean, there's just so much here, guys. And so keep us in prayer. Uh, thank you guys for your support of what we're doing. Again, that's mailofthegospel.org. Amen. Dale, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we will put the information that you've referred to in this mailthegospel.org uh, website in the notes of this podcast. So I encourage you to check it out and look for ways and think about people that you can send the gospel to uh, through this ministry. And if you're in a position to support this ministry, it's a worthwhile endeavor. Well, thanks for joining us today on The Sword and Trial. We look forward to having another conversation in your presence in the near future.